0: You are listening to Rearranged on Smorgasbord, a JCast Network podcast. For more information about other JCast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit us at jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Rearranged. I'm your host, Daron Rasquet. Rearranged is a podcast that uh, a podcast experiment looking at uh, kind of dissecting the show Arranged, which is a show that just started its second season on the FYI network. I think that used to be the Bio Network. It's owned by Lifetime Television uh, and U- the USA Network. They're all owned by the same company. And um, FYI is one of their many show, many uh, sub, sub uh, channels. I would say I have been hoping or wondering or thinking about doing a kind of TV show exploration podcast show since I started uh, Jcast Network, because I started listening to podcasts, at least partially uh, due to my fandom of the TV show Lost. Um, And for those who have been following podcasts for years knows uh, that the show Lost uh, had an unbelievable number of podcasts related to it where people would go into the details and the theories and the the mysteries. Um, I want to start just to say from the start that there was a lot much a lot more going on uh, on Lost than there is in Arranged. Uh, The show is Arranged. uh, our, Our podcast is called Rearranged. I'm not being that creative. Um, So that's why we're doing this show Uh, in thinking. First of all, I was worried, you know, uh oh, it's like I didn't get the episode up immediately. Uh, I then looked at the at the ratings for the show and it was the number 100 uh, cable TV show on uh, Tuesday night, which is when it aired, uh, which is to say not that many people have been sitting with bated breath waiting for an episode, a show talking about the show. Um, and this is number 100 out of 150 listed shows. So this is not the most popular show on television by any means. But um, the reason I was intrigued by Arranged, um, I saw an article in The Forward that was kind of mentioning that this show was going to be on. And this season, um, as in every season, they follow three couples who, in theory, were having an arranged marriage. Um and this season, one of the couples was Vicki and Ben, an Orthodox couple from New York, uh, Orthodox Jewish couple from New York. Um, the others was Taylor and David, a Baptist couple from Texas, um, and finally from Orange County, California. Manika and Mayur, an Indian couple. And I say Indian rather than uh, talking about their individual religions because uh, one is Hindi and one is Mudraki. So it, it wasn't particularly a, a religious, uh, a, you know, a single religion. So that's why I'm calling them by their by their uh, country of origin. Um, now, I sort of have a problem with the premise of the show to begin with. Um, they call it arranged as in... An arranged marriage, but it kind of appears that every single one of the couples, um, in one way or another, met each other themselves um, and uh, somehow kind of dated. It d- does appear that at some point, the the man asked the parents for the right to marry uh, the 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 woman, and in some levels, that is also kind of a a a. Taste of of a bygone era, um, but it was not exactly arranged as in, you know, more in the in the frame of of there where they may not know each other beforehand or they don't have a choice in the matter. Um, all three couples appear to have had a choice. Now, because of my background and my interest, I think I'm going to focus um, primarily on uh, Vicky and Ben and their experiences uh, during this episode and and throughout the show. If I if I End up continuing to do the show, um, you know, week by week. I'm going to watch it. If there's something I want to talk about, I'll I'll do an episode. Um, if it gets too mind numbing, I promise you, I will stop. Um, I actually found the show to be kind of fun to watch, um, you know, especially the uh, the Vicky and Ben story. Uh, I live in New York. Um, they were existing in New York. You know, their stories told in New York. So when uh, Vicky and her girlfriends are going to eat uh, and they end up meeting Ben at that restaurant, I, it was my most favorite food, a restaurant that I occasionally go to. So I could recognize it. I recognize some of the little locations. Um, you know, at The New Yorker, I can turn on the television and almost always um, see a location that, 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 that I know, mainly just because Law & Order always shot in my neighborhood. Um, or or a local, you know, someplace that I know. But this one was a little more personalized because it was kind of looking at Jewish New York in a way that um, Law and & Order and even Woody Allen films don't really look at the Jewish New York. Um, so that was kind of fun. I want to tell the, you know, kind of the the main focus for, um, for the Indian couple this time was whether the father of of Manika would actually give uh his blessing to the to the uh to the marriage even though they were officially I think 3 weeks away from from the wedding ceremony. So that seemed a little strange, but let's just assume that that's fine. Um and it should be noted that she indicates that she had been married before and divorced, but that was a marriage of love and this was a marriage of I don't know, it sounds like love because they met at work and she fa- he fell in love with her and he said, I'm going to marry you. And it sounds like he courted her, which is not what I would think of for an arranged marriage. So I'm not exactly sure what the difference between arranged and a marriage of love is. But that was really the focus of uh, Monika and Mayur's uh, couple, you know, uh, f- f- experienced at least an episode in this episode. Um, the, Texas ep- the Texas couple, um, which was Taylor and David the main focus was on uh David's mother who uh thinks that Taylor is trashy um and she's very uh against the the marriage and kind of her them dealing with her when it came to the bachelorette party and the bachelorette party had everything you'd expect from a bachelorette party um a stripper gyrating on on, on top of Taylor, and of course, because of the mother who is there, uh, the mother was taking pictures and sending it to David just to drive him to be angry. It, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of ugly, but it was kind of like it was, it could have easily been a sitcom instead of a, a docudrama, um, which is probably how they should define this TV show, um, you know, because they that the Baptists. In Texas, our Baptists in Texas, they did a scene at a bullfight or a bull riding contest. I mean, it was like so obvious. Um, And the Indian couple, the Indian woman did a whole kind of montage of her trying on, uh, you know, kind of classic uh, Indian saris, which, again, felt a little bit, um, you know, it was like a clothing montage. Oh, I've seen that before. Um, And of course, they were trying to show the culture. So they showed her in those custom uh you know classic uh, outfits um now the Vicky and Ben story which I actually found the most interesting and I wonder whether I found it the most interesting because of the Jewish component or because you know and it would would a a a Baptist couple or you know a watcher or a Texas somebody who lives in Houston, Texas, watch it and see it and think that the, you know, the the, the Taylor and, and David story were most interesting. But I actually thought that Vicky and Ben were going through kind of a more interesting topic. Um, and that was the main question in this episode. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to have a short conversation with... Um, a rabbi about the this this specific issue because I feel like the only way I can really do this sh- show is if I try to put something a little deeper with a little bit of education at the end. So each week I hope to um, be able to pull in somebody who will give me a little conversation. Uh, this week we're going to talk about the shadle, uh shadle being the head covering that uh, Orthodox women wear um, once they're married so that they don't show their hair to anyone but their husbands. So that's that's what the nature of that is. Um, but so Vicky and, and Ben, are. she's 21, he's 23. They knew each other in middle school when she was not religious. They remet uh, when they were both in New York and probably, I guess, in their 20s at a party. Uh, she thought he was cute. He was excited to see that she was wearing... Um, excited, it's funny to say excited. She, he was excited to see that she was modestly dressed, which to him meant that uh, that she might now be on the orthodox, in the orthodox world. He had, I think, been orthodox uh, from the start, um, you know, the so that it, it shows them and it shows them walking in Central Park and meeting with her friends and he asks uh, her roommate, does she snore? which is sort of, you know, it's very classic, very like, you know, they're 20 year olds and yet they've, and it, but it shows kind of the way of their lives is that they really haven't spent that kind of time together. Um, you know, they talk about being Shomer Nigia, which is a tradition of of men and women before marriage or not touching each other. Um, and I thought that was an interesting piece is that, you know, I mean, that's just different than than, than many people in, in this world that they're not touching before marriage. Um, and that's something she's very comfortable with. Um, some of the things that was interesting is in the episode where wish and she went to the wig store twice, first with her friend uh, and second time with Ben at the end of the episode. Um, and in the episode, she says, well, I'm not really sure about the shade. I'm not really sure about covering my head. And at one point he says... Uh, He says in kind of one of those one-on-one interviews, oh, I couldn't marry a woman who doesn't cover her head. And later he says, oh, but it's up to you whether you cover your head when he and she are talking together. Now that may have to do with what you say in private versus what you say in public. Although when you're being uh, interviewed on television, nothing is staying private very long. Uh, So they have this whole conversation, but I was intrigued by the idea that someone would be comfortable being Shomer Nigia, not touching, but not comfortable wearing a shadle. Both of these seemed felt to me to be kind of the acts of a very orthodox, uh, very traditional Jewish experience. So sort of surprising that someone might do one but not the other. Um, I, I again, I, I wonder whether whether there's uh, whether there's something to be said about that. And and and, and, and do I? Think, I don't. Maybe I'll ask. Maybe I'll ask the, our rabbi in residence uh, about that a little bit at the end of the ex- episode. Um, one of the things that I thought was there was an interview with Vicky's mother, who is not uh, as orthodox or is not as observant, and she says she's sad about the wig. Uh, Vicky talked about how her her hair was her personality. Um, And then the other thing she talked about is she was worried about losing her passion for religion or for religious Judaism since she did not come from that background. And I thought that was also a really interesting piece. I know a lot of people who kind of, um, you know, find the derech, find the road uh, of Orthodox Judaism after having not been kind of brought up that way. And then they do at some point kind of, you know, find a more moderate way of living. I think when you marry somebody who is in this, who's come from this space and really wants to be there, find, you know, it's scarier when you might, that you might lose your passion for the Derek, as they say. One of the things that was sort of interesting was uh, on her first trip to the wig store, which she goes to with her girlfriend, um, she, uh, somebody says, oh, you know, that hair looks, she tries on a wig that doesn't work for her. She tries on another wig and her friend says, oh, you know, that looks just like your hair. Um, and the wig maker, an Orthodox woman who you could tell is wearing a shadle herself, a wig herself, says, oh, well, that's what it's supposed to be. And I think that's interesting, the idea that if you're supposed to be wearing a wig to cover your head, then it's strange or interesting that, that, it's, that it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be wearing a wig that looks like you, but you're also supposed to be wearing a wig to cover what you look like. I don't know, maybe another conversation to be had with our our, uh, rabbi in residence. Anyway, at the end of the episode, Ben and Vicky go back to the store and um, try on wigs. Vicky seems a little more hopeful or okay with it. Um, She had talked about the costs of a wig, which I hadn't even consider that they cost thousands of dollars. You have to replace them every few years. There's a lot of upkeep for them. Anyway, that was all very fascinating for someone who just had never really thought about what it would cost to do. Of course, I have a bald head, so there's really very little cost when it comes to my hair. Uh, Anyway, she goes back to the wig store with Ben, tries on a few wigs. Um, Interestingly, it's it's not like a wedding dress. You actually can go to uh, try on wigs with your husband-to-be. She seems not sure. And then he looks at her and says, oh, my God, you look beautiful. And at least in the editing, she immediately says, "Okay, let's do it. I'm ready. Um, And that's sort of kind of the moment they end their story in this episode. It was a little fairy tale. It was a little weird, Um, but it was interesting in and of itself. Anyway, so that was episode one of Arranged. And this is the episode one of Rearranged. Um, In a minute, I'm going to put on a interview that I'm going to do with our rabbi in residence. And uh, I'd really love it to know if you guys are watching the show. Uh, I'd be really intrigued to hear about it. Um, And uh, yeah, so stay tuned for a conversation about the Shadle with our rabbi in residence, Rabbi Stephanie Ruske. Hi, Stephanie. Yeah. Uh, thanks for you know being forced into this. Um, so tonight's episode, Vicky really kind of you know was going through a lot when it came to the idea of the head covering and and what it would do to her her identity and who she was. And I actually thought it was kind of compelling in terms as, as far as you know this kind of docudrama television series on an on a TV channel that no one ever knows about. Um, could be, but I was wondering if you could give us quickly kind of the, the history or the, the religious significance and tell us a little bit about the concept of the Shadal.
1: Sure. Well, um, in Jewish tradition, hair coverings for women who are married is first mentioned in the Torah and the Bible. Um, and it's then picked up again in the Mishnah and the Talmud and rabbinic literature, um, And their discussion is about whether or not it was normative or an extra thing that women would do. Many commentators think, many of the rabbis thought that it was the normative way for married women to behave, and some thought it was an extra thing. Ultimately, though, like much of Jewish law, it gets decided and played out among the people in later commentaries. In which case, women started really kind of doing what they wanted. So my one of my favorite pieces of information about the Shadle is that in the 1600s, women in France decided that they really liked the fashion that other women in that community were doing. And so they started wearing wigs, and they totally disregarded what the rabbi said. And they wore wigs that were way nicer than their hair. And the rabbi said, it's not okay. And they sort of said, too bad. And they kept wearing those Shadles. And that, in many ways, has become like... The norm for the most observant way to conduct your religious life related to
0: hair coverings. Right, but but, but in, the, in the text where it says, I mean, does it say thou shalt wear a head covering? And what is, you know, what are what the reasons that it says? I mean, A, does it say that? And then I'll ask the next question.
1: The only place we learn about it in the Torah is with regard to a sota, a woman who has committed adultery against her husband and or with another man. And the way that she's punished is she's brought into public and her hair is undone and unbraided. And the rabbis understand that to mean that, in fact, it was covered. It was somehow tied up and not visible to everybody. And the way that you sort of diminish the dignity of a woman who has committed adultery is to make her hair, which was prior to that um, modestly covered, visible. That's the Torah That's the connection
0: to the Torah. So so how did it get from that to Orthodox women wear head coverings?
1: So the rabbi started to look at, well, what does it mean to be a modest woman? And the modest woman is the one who has her hair covered. Um,
0: Right. And and the idea of modesty, I mean, and and they kind of talk about it a little bit in the episode, as I'm sure you remember, um, is that like only the husband should see the natural hair. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. But so, an in interesting component in the episode was she was talking to the 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 uh, woman who does the wigs, and she said, "Oh my God, that looks just like my hair." Mm-hmm. And the the wig maker, again, an Orthodox mm-hmm. woman, it was she wasn't going to you know to fourteen to the to the low you know to the East Village, maybe the Lower East Side, but not the East Village. And she said, "Well, that's what we're looking for." Mm-hmm. So the idea is like. If in reality they walk away looking just like they did, how is it modest?
1: Well, look, so there are some women. Um,
0: you should note that Stephanie kind of just did a shake of the head, which does not come through on audio <laughs> podcasts.
1: There are some women, because of that, in some communities where they wear like an extra little hat or an extra something on top of their wig to make sure everybody knows it's not their actual hair. And if you live in that community, you understand what that means. Um, But yes, I mean, they're following the letter of the law or tradition, which is that somebody, like that a married woman shouldn't have other people see her hair, and that's considered erva, which is naked. Um, But... You know, it doesn't say like it has to look worse than your hair, so it's the letter of the law. But, I don't think it's so much the spirit of the law, but that's how it gets played out.
0: And and how does the? Well, the, I have two final questions, and I and I and I know your time is is limited. Um, but first of all, how is the those women who wear hats? Now you were talking just now about hats on top of shadels, which seems just like very hot in the summer, but. They're also hats. wearing
1: tights and long sleeves. The
0: whole, right. The whole outfit. Is right. Cool. It sounds like a very hot, hot, hot experience. Warm experience. Um, so actually, now I have three questions. First of all, so is the hat just a that people who wear hats instead of shadles? Mm-hmm. Is that just kind of some modesty, but not? Want, I mean, is that a, is that a declaration of level of of religiosity? is that a cultural thing is that a a a a a, a fashion issue?
1: Look, I think that really you'd have to ask every single woman what it means to her, but you know there are communities in which the rabbis have ruled that you can have a certain amount of hair showing. So you wear a hat and you just show the bangs or you know so it depends on the it depends on the community and it's somewhere between religious and cultural. Like it's not actually just I don't believe it's just about religiosity um, and observing halacha, Jewish law. I think it is about like the culture and how you're trying, who you're trying to align yourself with.
0: Okay, and fi- I have two final questions. First of all, set first is um, if when women are just with, if it when married women are just with married women? Is are they still in, expected to wear the shawl? Or is it only in mixed company that the shadle is supposed to be worn once you're married?
1: I think, again, it turns into a personal preference thing. It is definitely the prohibition in communities where they follow this tradition that, like, men, any man who's not your husband, can't see your hair. Or children. I mean, your children, like, in your house, when it's just your immediate family, some women will. But not all women. You know, some women, it's just for their husband. Um, and some women are fine if women in just company with other women, they'll take off their hair covering. Um,
0: All right. So I'm, I'm a little worried and maybe a future episode, we'll get into this in a more on a, or this section a lot deeper. But in the beginning of the episode, um, Vicky and Ben were talking about how they started out. They just said Shomer Nagia. That was fine. Shomer Nagia, not touching each other. Um, but yet, at the beginning of the episode, at least Vicky was not was not um, sold on the shadle, not sold on the idea of the wig. Is there a hierarchy of modesty and Jewish? You know, in in these what to me? And you know, I mean, I don't want to. I think it's heard in in the way I ask the questions. It all seems arcane and ridiculous to me. But are there ways that this is different? Is there a hierarchy? I guess that's really. Let yeah. me go back to that. Are question. you
1: asking? Are there some people who would say like, okay, I am de and I believe that's more important than covering my hair? Yes.
0: Once I knew somebody, right? Once I heard that somebody was de the idea that she might not cover mm-hmm. her head seemed like, well, that sort. Of, you know, I, I don't know. I I put it in a in a level of first I cover my head before I wouldn't wouldn't you know kiss a boy, mm-hmm. but. Yeah,
1: well, there are two different categories, um, which probably don't sound like there's a huge distinction, but there is within Jewish law. And whether you consider hair covering one or the other would determine how much you saw yourself as bound to do it. I think everybody um, in that community of hair coverers would see themselves as bound um, by Sharon by not touching somebody of the opposite sex. So I think that there is more choice, especially among people who think it is really more cultural, the decision to cover your hair. Um, so yes, then they would have to decide. And they probably in some communities, some Orthodox communities, they would know women who don't. Probably fewer who are not showing you. All right.
0: Thanks so much. Uh, I might have to force myself and even you to watch episode two of this wonderful show.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Well, that was episode one of Rearranged. Uh, thank you again to Rabbi Stephanie Ruske for taking the time to discuss shadows with us. Uh, Rearranged can be seen on the FYI Network on Tuesdays at 9pm. Um, if you're watching the show, please let us know. If you have any ideas, questions or concerns, I would love to hear what you, you know, what your experience of the show is. Um, and let us know if you think this is worth, you know, keep doing. Um, I actually don't think I could do the show um, if I didn't think that there was some Jewish topic to discuss in a more serious way, in the way that I did with uh, Stephanie. Um, Full disclosure, Stephanie is my wife, um, so she will come back if I ask her, I think. Um, But I also don't want to, you know, force a topic. Um, Let me know what you think. Tell us in the ratings. Rate us. Review us. Comment. Come to our Facebook page. Um... Would love to hear your thoughts. Hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, maybe see you next week for another episode of Rearranged.